All right, Phil, where were you in the year 2000? In the year 2000. In the year 2000. I was in college. Do you remember on election night, Tim Russert with his whiteboard on NBC writing down. They didn't have like magic boards? No, it was like old school whiteboard. (laughs) And he was going, Florida, Florida, Florida. And he wrote it three times and he said it. And that was when... Florida had originally been called for Gore, and then later the networks all had to reverse themselves and say, oh no, it's Bush won it. Yes. Anyway, Florida, Florida, Florida. After going to the Democratic National Committee preview of their convention this week in Milwaukee, all I can think of is Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Are we like Florida of 2000? Yes, or maybe even Milwaukee, 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 (laughs) because everybody was saying how we're not just a battleground state. We're not just a swing state. We are the battleground state, the swing state, and we're right in the middle of the blue wall, which crumbled for Democrats in 2016, but which Democrats have to and think they can win in 2020. The blue wall is one of the fastest and most direct ways for our eventual nominee to secure 270 electoral votes. Wisconsin sits directly in the center of that blue wall. As a native of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, it's very exciting that we are the center of the political universe right now. I truly believe that uh, Wisconsin will be the state that uh, uh, elects a new president of the United States. Those quotes were from David Bergstein of the DNC, Wisconsin Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes, and of course, Governor Tony Evers. All of them were at the Fiserv Forum in Milwaukee this week. You and I drove over for the show. It was sort of media preview for the Democratic Convention coming to Milwaukee in July. Nice place. It's where the Milwaukee Bucks and the uh, Marquette University basketball teams play. I hear they have ice twice a year there. I hear the Bucks are pretty good this year, too. Who are the Bucks? Hey, they're 33 and 6. And today on Center Stage, the Wisconsin State Journal's political podcast from the Sensible Center of Wisconsin Politics, we're going to talk about why the Democrats chose Wisconsin and specifically Milwaukee for their convention this July, what it means for Wisconsin, and we're going to even get some beer tips from the beer baron who we saw there (laughs) on where to get beer in Milwaukee if you go to the convention. Wait a minute. Do they have beer in Milwaukee? They do. I'm Scott Milford, the editorial page editor for the Wisconsin State Journal. And I'm Phil Hands. I'm the editorial cartoonist for the Wisconsin State Journal. We are half of the State Journal editorial board. The thirstier half. The swilling half. First of all, we can talk about why Milwaukee is the center of the universe for Democrats this year. Wisconsin has always been a very competitive state, going way back to 2000, in fact, when Al Gore won by just 6,000 votes. Wow, so like less of less a victory than Trump had in 2016. Trump had 23,000 votes. Yeah, that's how many more than Hillary Clinton, and that was out of some 2.8 million total votes. When Donald Trump won Wisconsin, he was the first Republican candidate to win Wisconsin since Ronald Reagan. In 1984, when Ronald Reagan won every state except Minnesota. (laughs) Yes. And we're part of the blue wall uh, that was talked about this week at some breakout sessions where some DNC strategists talked to reporters about how they're going to win back Wisconsin this year. The Blue Wall, of course, are states that have traditionally supported Democrats for president, but three of them flipped to Donald Trump in 2016. The biggest was Pennsylvania, your native Michigan, Michigan, and Wisconsin. The Democrats have to win those back, and they need to hold Minnesota also. 
That's not the only way to a Democratic victory, but it certainly is the easiest and most likely path to 270 electoral votes. Which is what you need to win the presidency. Yes. And I would argue that the reason that there's this heavy focus on Wisconsin is not because we have the most electoral votes of any of those states, but Michigan and Pennsylvania, in their midterm elections, they went heavily blue. The governor of Michigan is a Democrat, and she walked away with that election. It was not even close. You know, so Michigan... While they while they while they voted for Trump in 2016, they have been heavily Democratic since then. Because Wisconsin had this swing, you know. So we so Tony Evers won election here in 2018 in the midterm elections, but it was pretty close. He barely yeah. beat out Scott Walker. Evers won by just under 30,000 votes. In Michigan, the Democrat won handedly, big league. And uh, in Pennsylvania. They've seen a lot of those a lot of those suburban districts that were strong Republican strongholds mm-hmm. in 2016. Those have flipped blue. So I think I think they're seeing Wisconsin as as the most vulnerable of the of the of the blue wall states. Yeah, they can't let Wisconsin slip away again. And if you hold a convention in a state that you really need to win, that automatically brings a lot of attention to your party and most importantly your nominee to the voting public. As the Democrats licked their wounds after 2016, uh, one of the big themes that came out of that soul-searching was that Hillary Clinton never visited Wisconsin. Never, ever, ever. After she became the nominee. (laughs) I mean, she has been to Wisconsin many times. But she never did during the general election race, and and a lot of people interpreted that as taking Wisconsin for granted and then she narrowly lost it. Yeah. So they're not making that mistake because we know for a fact the nominee will be in Milwaukee in July. Yes, we do know that for a fact. Because the convention's happening there. So what are the three blue wall states the Democrats lost last time around? Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Where was the convention for the Democrats in 2016? It was in Philadelphia. <laughs> so maybe it doesn't work. So maybe it doesn't work. <laughs> uh, however, Milwaukee is the biggest media market in Wisconsin. So you're probably reaching the most voters. Also, Milwaukee's vote was down from when Barack Obama won for president. The voters in Milwaukee County, maybe not surprisingly, were much less enthusiastic, the Democratic voters, for Hillary Clinton than for Barack Obama. Yes, that is that is absolutely true. Barack Obama had so many more votes than Hillary Clinton did in Milwaukee County that that alone would have would have swung the election for Hillary Clinton in, in Wisconsin and maybe the presidency. So okay. if the Democratic nominee for president can do as well in Milwaukee as Tammy Baldwin did in 2018 for the Senate, that will get them Wisconsin right there. That's the yeah. margin. Just increasing uh, the margin of victory in populated areas like this county uh, will go a long way towards helping us win. And that's one of the most important reasons uh, that having the convention here in in this area will eventually help our nominee as well in November. The other thing that David Bergstein mentioned was the Wow counties, Waukesha, Ozaki, and Washington counties, which are the suburban conservative areas surrounding Milwaukee, at least traditionally, that Trump underperformed Romney in those counties by 55,000 votes. Also, Hillary Clinton got more votes in those counties than Barack Obama did when he ran for office in 2008 and 2012. So despite the fact that Republicans always despised Hillary Clinton in these very conservative counties, 
she got more votes than the more likable Barack Obama. So that's sort of the flip side to one of the narratives in Wisconsin, which is rural areas where a majority of voters had gone for Barack Obama twice, they were now going for Trump. Yes. And this is all true. But another factor was Milwaukee. Yeah. And a third interesting point that one of their strategists made to us was about Southwest Wisconsin. We know that Southwest Wisconsin has been trending Democratic for many years. Mm -hmm. And the Republicans have been trending more moderate to stay elected there. People like Todd Novak down in Dodgeville. Travis Um, Trannell is another good example of that. If you think about where some of the battlegrounds are, in addition to urban areas of the state, are places like Southwest Wisconsin. So places like Sauk, Columbia, Vernon, Grant, they all saw, you know, eight to 12 uh, point swings from Trump's performance in 2016 to Evers in 2020. So if Democrats are able to both increase uh, turnout in urban based Democratic areas, as well as match some of the persuasion gains that we made in smaller uh, and both rural and suburban areas, which we know are trending away from, from Donald Trump, uh, we have a very strong path to victory for our eventual nominee. There was a reporter in Milwaukee at the event this week who said, yeah, but what about the Supreme Court race where Brian Hagedorn this past spring narrowly won for a Supreme Court seat? Just after this big blue wave that swept Tony Evers into office. And Courtney Beyer, the communications director for the Dane, for the Wisconsin Democrats. She took the question. Here's what she said. That race reinforced to us just how purple of a state we're in and how much on the knife's edge uh, the state is. And to be fair to the DNC guys, you know, they stressed many, many, many times, we are not taking anything for granted. Yes. Now, they didn't say, like Hillary did. Like they, Hillary did. They didn't did. say that, but, but that, that was, was implied. Re- that was very implied. And there were Be- occasionally some talk of mistakes or lessons learned from 2016. And you have to remember in 2016, Hillary was going to Arizona and North Carolina, states where there was yeah. not a good chance of her. I mean, she thought they were so confident that they were trying to flip the map and we're going to have this huge ups. Mm-hmm. I mean, people forget that before the 2016 election, we were talking, that people were talking about this giant blue wave and Trump winning a handful of states, you know, and Hillary was going to win in Arizona and North Carolina and maybe even Texas, you know, but Mm -hmm. she ended up losing all of these strong, historically blue battleground states. Why else would they come to Milwaukee? One thing that Lieutenant Governor Mandela Varn said at the outset of this event uh, in front of, by the way, more than 500 media people, mostly national people, but quite a few from Wisconsin is that Milwaukee is sort of a city like a lot of other cities where uh, the Democrats have slipped. I think it's a signal for uh, you know the rest of the country, and it's, it's not just to have an impact on Milwaukee. It's about uh, the Cincinnati's, Cleveland's, and Columbus's in Ohio, the Detroit's, and Michigan, and also Pittsburgh's and uh, Philadelphia's and Pennsylvania, because without making sure that we're actually communicating with our base, uh, we're going to be lost. You sort of blue-collar cities that had a lot of manufacturing and had a strong union presence. In a way, it's kind of getting back to that traditional base of working-class people that Trump really eroded from the Democrats Yeah, the last time around. Another reason you have these conventions, the they talked about how you capture energy and then you funnel it into the election. 
I mean, this convention, it's supposed to pull in 50,000 people and have a positive economic impact. I've heard $200 million is the estimated economic impact of this thing in the state. So, But what it also does is you get all that energy in July, only a few months from the election. And as they said, they're going to have more than a thousand volunteers at the site of the convention. And then they're going to have all the delegates. And after the convention, all of those volunteers are just really pumped. And they go out in the community and they push the nominee. It's better to have the convention in Milwaukee than to say have it in Sacramento, California. You know, it's a it's a better decision for the Democrats. Tammy Baldwin, by the way, she's occasionally been touted as a possible vice presidential candidate. Really? Yeah. Who's doing that besides you, Scott? Uh, Nate Silver. Do you know who Nate Silver is? <laughs> I know who Nate Silver is, yeah. <laughs> he called her last year an interesting choice for vice president. Is, there's this perception you want to balance the ticket or something like that. I'm not sure who she would ba- – I mean, I'm not sure she offers a whole lot of balance for, say, Elizabeth Warren. I'm not sure she would offer a whole lot of balance to, say, Pete Buttigieg. How about Joe Biden? I guess she could balance Joe Biden. She's from Wisconsin, and she just won big, and they got to win Wisconsin. I think that's part of the calculus there, or at least why she's making the list. She's not making the A-list of possible VP choices, but she has been mentioned not only by Nate Silver as an interesting choice, but last year, this one's a bit of a stretch for me, but New York Magazine in a headline called her the most electable 2020 candidate who isn't running. They were talking about for president. Well, she is electable. She has been elected, yeah. I mean, I still... She's a safe... She'd be a safe choice because she doesn't make mistakes. She doesn't say stupid things ever. And she's very nice. And she's very nice. She doesn't say much of anything ever either no, in terms doesn't. of specifics, but that could be an attribute. It is in politics. Especially if you're running with Joe Biden, who does make a few (laughs) mistakes. Joe Biden never said anything (laughs) stupid. What are you talking about, Scott? Anyway, let's move along. It probably won't happen. On the other hand, would would you have thought at this point prior to Mitt Romney running that Paul Ryan was going to be the vice president? I always thought that Paul Ryan was a super good choice for anybody in the Republican Party for vice president because he's such a sharp, smart, young future face of the party type of guy. I'm not sure Tammy Baldwin represents yeah. the future face of the Democratic Party. Before this convention comes, there's the April 7th Wisconsin primary. One thing we learned at this event this week is that 70% of the Democratic Party's delegates will already have been committed by the to one candidate or another Yeah, by the time the Wisconsin primary rolls around. The, pri- the race could very well be over by the time people get to vote in Wisconsin. But Governor Evers, who was there, predicted that he thinks, quote, many of the candidates who are running for the Democratic nominee will still be in the race come April 7th. There's 14, I think, Democrats who made the ballot. Yeah. You're going to have to look through 14 names on April 7th. Some of them will probably no longer even be running, but their names Andrew, may... <laughs> Andrew Yang. Yeah, their names may still appear. I don't know. I'm impressed that that guy keeps going. I met a very inspired young uh, Yang ganger uh, at, a, yeah. at a high school in Monona last uh, this week, and yeah, she was she's passionate, man. It was awesome to see that in a kid. But at this point, conventional wisdom, which these days is often wrong, conventional, conventional wisdom, wisdom tells you that George, that uh, Jeb Bush was the was the Republican nominee in 2016, and right now it tells you in the for the Democrats, it's either going to be Biden. Sanders, Warren, or Buttigieg? Buttigieg. Boot edge edge, 
as Trump likes to say. Um, I'm still on Team Klobuchar, man. I like Klobuchar, but I like Buttigieg, too. And he seems at this point to have a lot more momentum. But we'll see. If he wins the Iowa caucus, that's pretty significant. You know, Biden's kind of he's kind of staking out some victories in some minority heavy Democratic primary states like Nevada and in South Carolina. But it'll be hard to prove, you know, if he loses big in Iowa and New Hampshire, is it is it can you say that you still have a viable chance? These days, it seems like you go, especially somebody like Biden, you at least go to South Carolina. I don't want to diss rural Wisconsin at all because rural Wisconsin's awesome. The people are great. Beautiful countryside. But when That's it comes my to, homeland. When it comes to the actual number of votes, yeah, Dane County and Milwaukee County have like half of the votes in the state. But if you're still talking about winning by ten or 20,000 votes, I guess you could look at almost any region of the state and say that's key. But I mean you can go back to you can go back to 2016 and all these counties with a couple thousand people in them mm-hmm. turned from blue to red. And people highlighted those counties, but you're talking about I looked at some of these numbers, and you're talking about swings of votes maybe 1000 votes here, 2000 votes here, just the swing from 2012 okay, yeah. to 2016. And all that's made up by Milwaukee County turning out in force. And if you can get a huge turnout in Dane County, that's a big deal. But we already got that, and we're probably going to get that. We have this misconception that rural America is now bright red. You look at some of those counties out there, Mm -hmm. and they're still like 55% to 45% as the breakdown blue versus red. You know, Mm -hmm. there's still a lot of Democrats or liberal leaning people throughout rural Wisconsin. It's not monolithic the way it is in Madison, where every single person in Madison is basically a Democrat. Right. The county lines in Wisconsin are not gerrymandered. And if you look at the percentages, unlike our congressional district elections, all of which are decided by double digit margins because they've been gerrymandered. Um, When you look at counties, a lot of counties are close. With the exception of Dane County and Milwaukee (laughs) County. And Waukesha. One other interesting uh, side note here that I learned that I didn't know. A couple facts from this DNC. Are these real facts or alternative facts? Well, I don't know. I learned Democrats said them, so uh, you got to... Grain of salt. On the, on the other hand, these are about their uh, nomination process, okay. so I think they know what they're talking about. Do you remember last time how the Bernie Sanders people in the primary got PO'd because they felt like the establishment, and especially these superdelegates, the superdelegates are just hotshots. Party bigwigs. Establishment Democrats who automatically become delegates yeah. just because of who they are. And Bernie Sanders was not winning any of them. I mean, Mark Pocan, you remember he came in, who's, who's one of the most progressive members of Congress um, and is from the Madison area. He came in to our editorial board meeting and said, nobody wants a 70-some-year-old socialist. I believe Referring said, to Bernie Sanders. I believe he said the, the answer to America's problems are not a 73-year-old socialist. <laughs> so even he was for the establishment candidate of Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And so a lot of progressives were like, hey, Bernie can't, it's all stacked against Bernie because even if he gets all of these delegates and competes with Hillary, all these super delegates come in and give Hillary the nomination. So why we, as a Democratic Party, are we even having this? Because they already decided it. Well, they got such a blowback that this year, the super delegates will not get to vote on the first ballot for yep. who is the nominee, unless it's already wrapped up because so many delegates have already been committed. And in defense of Hillary Clinton, I, I 
pretty sure she didn't need the superdelegates to win the nomination either. She, she didn't, but Bernie's people weren't paying attention to The reason to that. Bernie lost was because <laughs> he didn't get any minority voters to vote for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to win the Democratic <laughs> primary if only white people like you. Yeah, well, he did win the Wisconsin Democratic Party primary. Because only white people liked him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the other interesting fact I learned it was that in order to get any delegates in Wisconsin, so let's say there are 14 Democrats on the ballot on April 7th, and yeah. let's say six of them are going to get some percent higher than 1%. You do not get any delegates unless you get at least 15% of the vote in a congressional district. Okay. So let's just say in the second congressional district, Buttigieg gets 15%. Bernie Sanders gets 14%. Elizabeth Warren gets 13 Joe Biden gets 12 All of the delegates for the second congressional district go to Buttigieg. And when some people skeptically then question, well, when did you change that rule? You know, thinking this was some backdoor to undermine, you know, Bernie or somebody else. They said, oh, the 1980s. So that, that rule has been around a long time. It was a, a backdoor to undermine Walter Mondale. There you go. Um, which maybe they should have. <laughs> <laughs> Based on his performance. Well, we didn't just talk about politics in Milwaukee. We ran into the beer baron. I love the beer baron. Of course, we're talking about Chris Drosner, formerly of the Wisconsin State Journal, now editor of Milwaukee Magazine, but... Chris used to be an editor here, and he still pens, or I guess types. He can pen it if he wants to. Uh, the Beer Baron column for the Wisconsin State Journal. Easily the top beer critic in Wisconsin. Easily. Now, we had noticed there was a lot of good beer at the Pfizer. Yes. They had better beer than the Kohl Center does. It's kind of on the order of those craft areas at Miller Park. But what did they have? They had like a hazy IPA. Oh, yeah, on tap, yeah. They had Terrapin. Yeah, Hopsecutioner. So if just for fun or as a delegate or a volunteer, you're going to Milwaukee in July, here's what the beer baron told us about how and where to drink beer in Milwaukee. At the breweries, I mean, we've got one right across the uh, plaza here at, in Good City. They're doing a lot of cool things there. That's obviously the closest one to the convention grounds. There's... Also, the Milwaukee Ale House down in the Third Ward and Broken Bat Brewing down in the Third Ward. For now, they're moving down to Walker's Point, but you've got Good City on the east side. You've got Eagle Park over on the east side. That's really good. Hazy IPAs if you're into that kind of stuff. So, yeah. What yeah. about here at, this, at, this, at the arena? I don't know what the beer situation is going to be actually while the convention's happening or if there is going to be a beer situation, but if you're here for a game, there's lots of craft options available not so much on draft but there's tall boys of happy place from third space brewing a lot of a lot of good local breweries represented i'd like to push back here scott now this is the democratic party we're talking about so isn't this the wine cave party where's the best <laughs> wine cave parties in milwaukee you can't ask the beer baron about <laughs> wines i don't know about that <laughs> Find and follow Center Stage with Milford and Hands on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. 